Let's get to the headlines. Hello and welcome to Healthcare Strategies Headlines Edition. Today's episode, we have White House set sights on lowering sickle cell therapy cost, increased administrative spending, strengthens call for automation, Cigna makes move to sell Medicare business, and HHS embraces food is medicine movement. Hello, listeners. This is Kyle Murphy, Vice President of Editorial Intelligent Healthcare Media. And as always, I am joined by Kelsey Waddell. Hello. 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 <laughs> Can't believe it. It's already February. Well, it's been February for a few days, yeah. but it's, it's it, years already flying by. It's the first healthcare strategies headlines February day. So that, that is that's 100% all correct. And this is the year of getting things done. So let's get right into it, shall we? All right. On February 2nd, 2024, the Biden-Harris administration announced plans to improve access to treatments for sickle cell disease despite high costs. So the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services stated that sickle cell disease will be the initial focus of the cell and gene therapy access model. HHS Secretary Javier Becerra emphasized the need to streamline access to cell and gene therapies for over 100,000 Americans with sickle cell. Cascavi, the first CRISPR-based gene editing therapy for sickle cell disease and transfusion-dependent beta thalassemia, costs about $2.2 million. Man. Million. This cost is high compared to the lifetime treatment cost for the two conditions, $1.7 million and $5 to $5.7 million, respectively. Although gene therapies could reduce long-term financial burdens and treatment challenges, their initial costs limit patient access. Similarly, high costs are seen with other therapies like Hemgenics for hemophilia B, which at $3.5 million, and Skyzona for cerebral genoleukodystrophy at $3 million. CMS Administrator Chiquita brooks Lashure noted that the potential of gene therapies to transform lives and reduce long-term healthcare costs, as well as stressing the importance of increasing access to these treatments. Kelsey, health equity is a major focal point in healthcare, what do you make of the federal government's role in ensuring that the disease that impacts a historically marginalized group is accessible and affordable despite the high initial price tag? I was going to say so much for it being accessible when it's millions of dollars. Obviously, the patient, I would one would hope the patient is not going to be responsible for millions of dollars, but starting it out at millions of dollars means that they're going to be responsible for a lot, no matter what it whittles down to at the end. And you got to believe that health insurers are not going to want to cover a large portion of that. So I think obviously, yes, the, the government has a role to play here, potentially, especially for historically marginalized groups that don't have access in general to good health insurance coverage to begin with, much less to strong healthcare treatment plans and drugs like these that could be life transforming. But eventually somebody's got to confront the companies that are making these and setting the price tags about the price tag. There's only so many times that the federal government can help us out before we actually address the real issue. Yeah. What's the cost of social good? Yeah. Oh, can't put a price tag on that, can you? No. No. It's a tough one. But I would think eliminating a disease would be an achievement to humanity. And that's something that we we should all support. All right. Let's get to number two. Number two. 
Increased administrative spending strengthens call for automation. The CAQH index report indicates a 50% increase in healthcare administrative spending in 2022, reaching $82.7 billion. Mm. This rise is attributed to staffing shortages, cybersecurity threats, and increased time required for transactions post-COVID-19. For context, widely cited 2019 study in the Journal of the American Medical Association estimated that administrative waste in the U.S. healthcare system ranges from $760 billion to $935 billion annually, which accounts for roughly 25% of total healthcare spending. Yikes. Yeah. Despite improved electronic adoption in healthcare transactions, administrative costs rose due to the time needed for completion. Provider time constituted over three quarters of this increase. Challenges like staffing shortages, requiring more time for less experienced employees, and security threats in hybrid work environments contributed to the higher costs. The healthcare industry could save an estimated $18.3 billion by optimizing electronic transactions. CAQH recommends continued electronic adoption, focusing on AI, AI, of course, and machine learning and targeting transactions with high electronic savings potential. Kyle, you've worked on the billing and insurance-related side of the healthcare for the past few years covering that. What do you make of these these latest findings from CAQH? I'm troubled by the fact that with workforce shortages, there hasn't been more done to address the human problem. Yes, you can automate certain tasks. That's That goes without saying. But you still need people. Healthcare is dependent on people. So I feel like the pandemic is catching up and the fact that folks have either left the workforce seeking, you know, greener pastures elsewhere, not going into the workforce at all. So I think we've got a we've got a cultural problem, which we talked about last week where or maybe a week before, where there needs to be something done to support workers, making sure they're actually spending their time on meaningful tasks, providers actually providing care and administrative people dealing with administrative things and automating those tasks that don't need a human touch and and making healthcare a lot more efficient and I would say effective because it's more personal. Yeah. And it's more interactive. It kind of sounds like a broken record about AI all the time, but I feel like this is the kind of thing where actually this is what it's meant for. (laughs) Oh, 100%. 100%. Automation. Technology is great insofar as it allows human beings to flourish. If it doesn't, then what is it? What is it? Who knows? That's the big existential question. All right, let's get on to more big business in, in healthcare. Everyone likes a good transaction, don't we? Cigna makes move to sell Medicare business. The healthpayer giant Cigna, one of the top five largest health insurers in the United States, is planning to sell its Medicare business to HCSC, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Nothing has been finalized yet, but the plan is that HCSC will purchase Cygnus Medicare businesses for $3.3 billion. Billion. Well, we could cover sickle cell with that. Yeah. Cover sickle cell. Oh, boy. We take care of sickle (laughs) cell right there. That includes Cygnus Medicare Advantage Business, Medicare Supplemental supplemental Benefits Plans, both Part D plans and Care Allies. Both Cigna and HCSC leaders said that the deal aligns with their goals. (laughs) Okay. Cool. I'm great, according to me. HCSE will significantly increase its Medicare membership, adding 3.6 million Cigna members to HCSE's 1 million 
existing Medicare beneficiaries, and Cigna will be able to focus on its services and health benefits platforms. The deal came not long after Cigna's talks with Humana about a merger failed. Kelsey, what do you make uh, of this latest deal-making? I think it's an interesting move on Cygnus part. Medicare Advantage is very, oh my gosh, what is the word that I'm looking for? It can be lucrative. Profitable. Profitable, Profitable. is the word that but, I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, but it's also challenging. Yeah, and there's a lot of, especially as the, the crackdown on Medicare Advantage is happening right now, there's a lot of scrutiny around Medicare Advantage, Medicare in general. So you could say that they're trying to get out from underneath all of that. But I think also like we've seen in the past couple of years for health insurers doing a lot of this deal making to identify themselves, set themselves apart and creating their own identity. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Cigna decides to focus on. Yeah. I wonder if there's been so much consolidation in the Medicare Advantage space where there are folks, these certain health plans that don't have a, you don't have the lion's share have just realized, you know what, we're closed out. Let's go to employee sponsored health plans, other lines of business Mm -hmm. where we can compete and grow. Because, you know, Medicare is a finite number of lives. It's significant, but why would you want to jump through all those regulatory hoops if you don't have to? I think a lot of these businesses are risk averse and having to deal with the federal government and audits and things like that seems to be costly. So leave Medicare to the businesses Mm -hmm. that have already kind of thrived and move on to, to other places where, you know, you can be maybe there's more innovation that supports kind of what they've done historically. I would think Medicare Advantage people could benefit from that, but maybe it just says a lot more about how tough it is to to, to really succeed in that space. Yeah, maybe they're getting ahead of things. Maybe this will be something that a lot of other payers start doing too. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. HHS embraces the food is medicine movement. At HHS's most recent food is medicine summit, the department revealed three new partnerships to advance Americans' nutritional well-being. First, for those who might not be familiar, what is the concept behind food is medicine? Basically, it centers on how nutrition informs health outcomes. So this is distinct from food insecurity, which has been highlighted in a lot of social determinants of health efforts, which focuses on the impact of the lack of access to food. This is more about what kinds of foods are being consumed. So HHS will partner with Instacart, the Rockefeller Foundation, and Feeding America. These partners will help research the efficacy of food as medicine programs, assess Feeding America's specific existing food as medicine program, and overall support HHS's food as medicine efforts. The partnerships will embrace the five guiding principles of HHS's food as movement efforts that the department laid out in a previous summit. They will support the underlying philosophy that nourishment, access to healthy food, awareness about the relationship between nutrition and health, investing in under-resourced communities, and building sustainable nutrition-related solutions, that's five, leveraging a variety of partners, are all key to healthiness, both personal and communal. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the food is medicine movement that has been picking up speed in the last couple years? Well, I'm curious, is this an issue of food being too expensive or people not buying the right food or the right food not being available to them. Obviously, United States has an obesity problem. That's one thing. So maybe we're not eating the right foods or we're eating too much of the wrong foods. That's one thing. But are we really getting at the fact that nutrition has been overlooked as like a foundational right that you have in this country? Like everyone needs nutrition, but for some reason, 
it, it, it's been treated as a commodity when it, when it is absolutely necessary. I think, you know, you and I are joking about the fact that is food actually medicine? No, food is, 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 is a requirement, a prerequisite <laughs> for living. Kind so, of need it to survive. So, yeah. So I wonder if it's more along the lines of, of nutrition and making sure that the variety of foods that are key to a healthier diet, maybe that's the right way to look at it. But people, I think, you know, if you look at, you know, it's 2024, it's an election year food prices, energy prices are always where consumers are, are hardest hit. And there's been a lot of inflation in those areas. So I wonder if there's that component to it as well. But we also know that there's been a lot of greedflation. Mm. And sometimes the foods that are easiest to to access aren't the best foods for you. Right. You have ultra processed foods have gained a lot of attention recently. Yes. And, and those have been shown not to work well in the human body. In fact, it does the opposite. Mm-hmm. So... I would say that, you know, this is a good move, but I, I think we're we're really getting to the point where people probably need <laughs> probably need one, money to buy food, and then two, places to buy the right food. And that's right. that those two things are conflicting at all times. I don't think anybody wants <laughs> anybody in their right mind is choosing to be like, Oh, I I'm gonna take this the, the unhealthiest option when if if you could, you could choose a better one. Well, you know, we know for a fact that in the absence of food Laughter is still the best medicine. <laughs> oh, so, so we're good. Worst comes to worst, just make yeah. jokes. We're good. We're good. We already have a solution and it's yeah. free. Unless you want to pay us for our comedic efforts. I think that would be great. Well, that concludes today's episodes of Healthcare Strategies Headlines. Kelsey, it's been good seeing you. Good to see you too, Kyle. All right. Take care, everybody. This is a Tech Target production.